We're back on this Saturday morning, Sports Medicine Weekly, coming up after our show at the top of the hour, Inside the Clubhouse, that great baseball show with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. But our final segment of the show, it's our Ask the Doctor. And uh, if you want to get involved, folks, it's very easy. Go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, and on the homepage, you'll see on the right side the picture of Dr. Cole and myself. Click on that link, and you're able to ask the doctor, a question related to a sports injury. I'm Steve Cashel, co-host with usually Dr. Brian Cole, but sitting in this week for the second week in a row, we want to thank him, Dr. Nick Vermont. Dr. Nick, we've had a lot of fun, haven't we? It's a great time always, and I'm, I'm so excited to be here, Steve. Great. I always love sharing you sharing your stories as you're the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox. And we do have a question related to that because um, – uh, Keeping kids' elbows healthy. A gentleman wrote in from Darien. This is Jack asking, my son hasn't thrown a dock since um, mid-August, and here we are, uh, early December. And when should he throw again as we think about spring and playing games as early as March? Yeah, well, it's a great question. And first of all, what I would say is congratulations on shutting your kid down for a period of what is that four months between August and December, right? Most of these kids go from summer ball to fall ball to um, workouts and pitching coaches and then showcases and then right back into spring ball. And I think what's uh, completely clear from the research that we have to date is that the biggest risk of elbow injuries in these younger throwers is uh, 12 month out of the year baseball participation. So these kids need somewhere between three to four months of downtime where they're not throwing a baseball to make sure that they stay healthy. And so he's already accomplished what needs to be accomplished, which is a period of rest. Generally for our guys who are uh, you know, coming off of a season at the professional level, they're pretty much shut down until January. And in January, they'll start um, doing some light tossing uh, maybe some sides, and then gradually progress up to starting baseball in February, right? We start spring training with pitchers and catchers reporting February 14th. So that gives them about a six-week ramp-up period. So I think if you want to shut your kid down after fall ball, which is end of October, let's call it, starting to ramp them back up at the end of January to get ready for a late February, early March start is exactly what you want. You know, I want to stop you there because I saw some kids on one of my kids' teams throwing already and it almost not that they're in midseason form but you know the light toss to begin their winter workout was already fast and hard a lot of velocity is it hard to tell the kids to just throw easy throughout that entire session i think one of the worst things that's happened to um adolescents in baseball high school baseball even younger you know middle school baseball level is the radar gun right because all these kids want to do is throw hard and unfortunately, what we've learned, and, and a lot of this work has been done at Rush, is that velocity is the number one predictor of Tommy John injuries. Not the curveballs. Not the curveballs. Velocity is the number one predictor. And it's really a, a physics problem, right? The harder you throw, the more stress there is on the ligament, the more likely that either over time or on a single pitch, that ligament is going to rupture. And so I think it's really important that um, that as adults – we really try to de-stress this emphasis, especially at the young age, you know, these kids who are 12, 13, 14 years old. We really don't want them throwing and trying to compete on velocity right away. 
Um, you know, obviously that becomes a part of a game as we get into college recruitment and then at the professional level. And and velocity is clearly a major uh, impact on performance. And we know that velocity has to be there for a pitcher to be effective. But to do it to these young kids is just the wrong answer. And it clearly leads them down a pathway of having these early injuries that compromises their career long term. All right. I've got a question for you, uh, Dr. Nick. Um, my own son, who's 14 years old, freshman in high school, starting to ramp up, plays hockey uh, also, but starting to, you know, think about pitching as a left-hander, um, just got introduced to the uh, weight, weighted ball conditioning program. Um, what do you, Tell me a little bit about that, because it's brand new to me. What have you heard about that? And do you, you know, he's, he's been told that he can increase velocity. Do you believe that? Well, A, it's highly controversial. Um, the studies that are out there do show that you can, in fact, increase velocity, um, generally in the neighborhood of between three to five miles per hour at least over the short term. Okay. Um, it hasn't been shown that we can sustain that velocity, but you can definitely increase it. And it's no different than any other type of conditioning program where you're really focusing on developing strength in the activity that you want to perform to be able to do it slightly better. What, what I tell patients and what I would tell you, Steve, is, is that there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? What we just talked about was that velocity is the biggest predictor of elbow injury. So when you increase that velocity by three to five miles per hour, Going along with that is going to be an increased risk um, to your elbow, and we may not be able to uh, to reduce that risk back to its baseline level just by exercises or other things. So, yes, you can get faster, but there are probably a percentage of kids who are also going to stay, sustain injury as a result of that throwing program. Again, it's brand new to me. I haven't even talked at length with my son. This was just a couple of days ago. He said, Dad, I'm on this you know weighted ball uh, program. So he said there might have been three different balls to use. Is this something we can do in the basement underhand? Is it just an overhand throw or is it from 60 feet, six inches? No, it's an overhand throw and it's simulating a pitch in motion. Many times they'll have them. I don't think the distance matters as okay. much. Uh, they'll be throwing it, <clears throat> excuse me, throwing into a net, but it's an overhand throwing motion. And you're basically trying to, to add resistance to build up strength so that when you take away the resistance, the strength is there and the velocity increases. You know, it's it's fairly intuitive once you think about it. The problem is not necessarily with the weighted balls. The problem is with the increase in velocity comes an increased risk of injury. So it's a trade-off. And, and you know, I think it's an important discussion that you have with with yourself and your son to understand what their goals are and to recognize that there there's no such thing as a free lunch that comes with some downside even as you get faster. Okay, along those lines, Doc, um, if he feels some soreness in the elbow or shoulder during throwing, we stop, but do we ice it or do we wait till the next day? Or I, again, we're we're in the you know off season right here. Yeah. What do, how do it, we what do we do to treat? It's a great question, Stephen. And, and you know, I, I think back to a, a study that we did uh, probably about five or six years ago now, when we did some surveys of of kids at at the level of um, between sixteen and eighteen. Yeah. And what was amazing to me is that 40% of them reported that they experienced pain during normal throwing. And so what I often tell kids, and you see them in your office and you can talk to them, is that they know what normal soreness is associated with throwing, right? And anybody who's a throwing athlete will tell you, yes, I do have some soreness. I commonly have soreness after an outing or the day after an outing. But they know the difference between soreness and pain. So if they have soreness that's part of their routine throwing, it's something that we treat like we would you know, just a regular outing. You have some downtime, some ice. Generally, it's gone the next day. They're ready to throw again. But if they have pain, that signals that something's wrong, either mechanically or biologically, that needs to be addressed prior to them throwing again. So you shut them down. If it doesn't get better quickly, they need an evaluation to make sure that they're on the correct path to recovery. 
you're looking at both shoulder pain and elbow pain. Are those the most two those common? Are, obviously, in throwers, those yeah, in the throwing athlete, those are the two areas that we get get into trouble with. What about way. numbness? Is that does that have anything to do with the Tommy John? It does. So the the you know there's a nerve, the funny bone, uh, funny bone nerve that sits right over the top of the ulnar collateral ligament. It's called the ulnar nerve. And so when patients are starting to have symptoms related to that ulnar collateral ligament, when they start to have either inflammation of the ligament or their elbow starts to become unstable so that there's stretch on the ligament, that creates symptoms in the surrounding nerve. So one of the early signs that a ligament may be failing is a patient will develop symptoms of numbness and tingling in their pinky and their ring finger on their throwing hand. Really? Wow. And so that to us is one of those warning signs that they may be uh, starting to experience some subtle failure of the ligament itself. Well, what do you what do you do to treat that right away? I mean, is that does that just shut it down, or it might be facing a Tommy John situation? Yeah, most of the time, you know, there's two real categories of Tommy Johns. There's the single pitch injury where you throw one ball, the ligament basically blows up or tears in two, and that's a situation that needs to be treated surgically. Yeah, but many of them occur by attrition, meaning that the ligament just starts to gradually tear over time, and we call those partial tears. The good news is that two thirds of partial tears can be treated successfully with conservative care, which includes shutdown, anti-inflammatory medications, the appropriate rehab, and then a gradual return to throwing. So to answer your question, yes, if you do experience those symptoms, we work up the ligament. It involves a period of shutdown, get them asymptomatic, get them rehabbed, and then throwing again safely. Great stuff. Dr. Nick Verma, head team physician for the Chicago White Sox. See, it's this is valuable for me. I enjoy doing the show, but I learn a lot because of my sons and, and playing ball as they do. So uh, I really appreciate your expertise. Thanks for having me. It's always a lot of fun and great discussions, and uh, I think it's really valuable for our audience. All right. That's all the time we have for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our producer. It's Shane Reardon. Our coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. Also want to thank David Cole for managing the website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Nick Verma, subbing for Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel. So long, and thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on 670 The Score. Up next here on The Score, inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. Have a great Saturday, everybody. Talk with you again next week.